Blog Talk Radio.
satellites in the skies broadcasting live to billions of people. Camels on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. tonight about the part one of a seven-part series that I'm running, and it starts off with building a steady position, all right, because that's where that's where every shot comes from, is building a steady position. In order to consistently make the shot, you'll have to build a steady position. There's no way around it, all right? Well, thanks again for uh, for tuning in, folks. And we're going to start the show like we always do, that is giving folks a chance to call in and thank their local crews, all right? And every week I talk to you guys about this, and I bought uh, 50 lines, all right? 50 lines. I mean, 50 people can call in at once, and we get you all in the air. Don't make me uh, don't make me be paying for uh, no lines, all right, for, for not using the lines, I mean. All right, the number is 347-308-8790. And every single one of you out there that's listening, every single one of you has somebody who is uh, who is doing a great job in your area. Every single person out there. Now, you can't tell me that you don't have somebody in your crew out there that's doing a great job. I want you to call in and let us know who that is. Let them know that you know they're doing a great job. All right. We'll also take calls for uh, uh, if you want to uh, give us a uh, like an after action report on a shoot that you've done, or just talk about the the way events are running in your neck of the woods. And we'll be glad to take those calls too. And if you have some kind of commercial venture that you're running and you want to let the folks uh, know about it, then we'll let you do that here, no charge, and we're not getting any money from it. Blog talk. Uh, we want to thank. Uh, uh, Poker Face for letting us use their music, that that song that you hear at the beginning of the show, Control. 
That's from Poker Face. You can go to their website, PokerFace.com, to hear more of their music and maybe buy some music, all right? Poker Face is a great band, and uh, they tour back and forth across the country playing their their revolution rock, reminding folks that that the freedoms and the liberties that we – that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation, that they're not free. Every single freedom that uh, that you're enjoying has been paid for over and over again, uh, even to the point of blood. And in order for us to m- maintain those freedoms and liberties, we have to be we have to maintain a constant vigil, and we have to understand that the responsibility for safeguarding those freedoms and liberties rests solely on our shoulders, each and every individual out there. This is a non-delegatable responsibility. You cannot uh, say that you're going to, uh, that you'll just have your, your mother or father do it or your brother or your sister or your kids or your neighbor or the milkman or your attorney, and least of all, you certainly can't expect your senators or congressmen to look out for maintaining your freedom and liberties, right? I mean, I think that you all know that. So you have to understand first that the responsibility rests squarely on each and every one of our shoulders, mine, yours, everybody out there. This is something that that you have to to do, and I know it's like uh, I don't know, it's like uh, like folding clothes or uh, you know cleaning up the garage. It's something that you don't want to you don't want to tackle because it just seems like it's too big and there's too much of it. And certainly somebody else is doing it for you, right? Somebody else is going to do it. But when you think that way, then you allow things to happen. And and if you look around you, if you look around us, you'll see that our freedoms have been constantly, are constantly being eroded day after day. I mean, if you look at some of the biggest ones, look at the uh, the uh, McCain-Feingold uh, legislation that came through uh, concerning freedom of speech and elections, right? They're not allowing any... Uh, any talk 30 days before the election. You know that the that the uh, uh, First Amendment came about expressly for that reason, to allow freedom of speech, uh, freedom of political speech. It wasn't to safeguard uh, dipping crosses in urine or burning the flag or anything like that. It does. It does, and they've certainly got a right to do all that. Uh, I don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. But it's their right to do that. The First Amendment came about because people were being put in jail uh, for talking about their uh, about their political leaders, about uh, politicians in elections. And if they said something that uh, the politicians didn't like, then they would just uh, they would just send the uh, the sheriff out or send the constable out, grab him and put him in jail. That's the whole reason 
for it. And here we are with an act, once again, limiting the freedom of speech uh, on politicians. This is, and, and I'm not going to keep going into this because uh, because I'm just using it as a uh, as an example of of what is happening out there and and how how these things are sliding by us. All right, uh, remember that. <clears throat> Uh, then I want you to call in uh, before we get started on the show. I want you to call in and uh, and tell me about your local cruise. All right. I know that uh, we've got about uh, oh, twenty or so folks in the chat room, and I know that a lot of those guys in the chat room uh, have folks that they want to thank. Uh, I'm going to thank. Uh, Kirk Wheeler, because Kirk, uh, spit stickler on the forum, Kirk has uh, muscled uh, a huge amount of graphics and stuff for the Appleseed Project. Uh, He is a a very accomplished graphics designer with his own company in uh, the DFW area, and uh, and he does a fantastic job. If you look up the billboards, the artwork for the billboards that are up, that is Kirk's job. If you look at the trifolds that everybody's using, that's Kirk's work right there. The trifolds are absolutely beautiful. I think it's a fantastic piece of artwork. And every time we ask him for something, he comes up with it. He does uh, He does his job. So I want to thank uh, Kirk Wheeler. I want to thank Larry Conrad uh, also. On my Texas crew, his full name is uh, is Overliable, and uh, and that's exactly what he is. Every time I open the doors here at the uh, at the Davila location for a shoot, uh, his vehicle is the first one in here. He's on Friday nights. Uh, if not, it'll be early Saturday morning, and uh, and he usually brings his grandsons with him, and he always does the setup. He puts up the flags, helps me put up the target line. Uh, we make sure that the uh, the outhouse is good to go. And uh, he is. He's extremely reliable. And I want to thank him uh, for the spectacular job he is doing. Uh, okay, it's telling me that somebody, another user has logged in using my account. I don't know who that is. Maybe it's. Maybe it's uh, the co-host. I'm not sure. Or maybe it's just blog talk uh, bizarreness for the chat room. All right. Those are the two of the folks that I want to thank. And uh, I also want to thank Floyd Ferguson uh, in the DFW area because Floyd is a uh, is a new shoot boss and. Uh, he got uh, up to his shoot boss status very quickly because he did a lot of shoots, and he did a great job at each one of them. He uh, went through all of his training very quickly, very correctly, and uh, he dots every I, he crosses every T, and almost every single time 
that we need him for somewhere, he is there. He is there ahead of time, ready to go, prepared, and uh, and just a really great, uh, really great addition to the Texas crew. All right, uh, and if you want to thank somebody, then what we'd like you to do is call in. The number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. All right, uh, we've got uh, uh, Mr. Foster on the line who wants to. Uh, Wants to talk about it. Doesn't say here what, but he wants to uh, to talk. I'm assuming he wants to tell somebody thanks. Mr. Foster, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Um, and uh, are you a are you an instructor? Uh, well, I just earned my orange hat this past weekend. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Where are you at? What's your uh, what's your area of operations? Western Pennsylvania. Western Pennsylvania. You know, I usually go through Western Pennsylvania every year, and I got to tell you, it's one of the most—it's one of the most beautiful uh, locations on the planet. It's yes, sir. It's it's. Uh, I'm blessed to, to be living here. I'm seventh generation Western Pennsylvania. I have uh, on my forum. I have my uh, great great grandfather, great however many greats, who was a. Uh, member of the 8th Continental Line in Pennsylvania, which brings extra meaning to all this. But before we go any further, I want to, I do want to thank my crew, the, the crew, the, the, the guys, uh, EZ3, Mr. Happy. I took seven apple seeds to earn my rifleman patch. These guys are simply outstanding. Dedicated beyond work. You say you went to seven... Uh... Uh, events before you took your orange hat? Uh, before I earned my rifleman's patch. Seven uh, apple seeds. Well, you know, uh, I, I didn't do that, but uh, I went to, let's see, I went to five, six, five, six solid days of shooting. So that is, let's see, that's three apple seeds. And, uh, and then... I would say another, at least another two more, like two day, two days worth of shooting before I did mine, right? So yeah. So if you come, if you come packed like like I did, if you come packed with uh, a lot of bad habits, it may take you a while to do that, and and it did me. Well, I so, uh, it's not that I have bad habits. Actually, the reason I was calling, and I've been on numerous blogs, is the uh, size of the rifle i'm six foot two 260 pounds i have my 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 um i uh 16 inch um center pull i i can't um pull a trigger pull i i'm losing the concept right now the the rifle doesn't fit my arm what's the word i'm looking for uh um, i'm not sure Off the rack um, Rugers did not fit my arm I have 16 inch arms 
so right. my, so I was w- way out of whack. Cheek weld wasn't happening. Um, length of pull, that's the word I'm looking for, length of pull. Length of pull. Um, okay, so we were going to talk about that in building a steady position. Uh, right, but I'll well, tell you right now that uh, that whenever you are, when you're working with folks, you can't just use, it can't just be a generic uh, right. instruction when you're putting folks on because most folks will tell them to, uh, in order to begin your, see your prone position, you'll look at the target and then you'll face approximately 30 degrees to your strong side and then right. you'll lay down and you'll get in that position uh, in order to uh, confront your target, to build your position for your target. That's for a that's for a a normal type person, but everybody is not the same. So you're going to have to work on the position for a person like you right. who is who has a longer length of pull, is a longer body. Then you're going to have to get more straight behind the rifle. You have to alter your position so that instead of being at 30 degrees, you're going to have to be uh, at uh, seven or eight degrees, or maybe even five degrees, or maybe even dead on depending on the the length of your rifle because in order to uh in order to get a correct position you'll have to tweak that back and forth if you're a smaller if you're a much smaller body you may have to go a little bit further because what you're trying to do is accommodate the length of the rifle so i'm sure that you ended up if you were shooting the the oh the outer certainly. box 1022 with that short yeah. stock on it then you're going to have to get more. You have to face more straight on to the target in order to correct the length of pull. Is that what you had to do? Oh, I, I had to. I had to add. Um, I added a limb saver plus a piece of foam behind the butt, and it's still short. Um, my point of the phone call is trying. I understand the time constraints of Appleseed, but. The uh, I, I spent three apple seeds before anybody ever addressed the the length of pull with me, and that uh, was the second I did. Uh, now, granted, well, I, I'm beyond I'm beyond the average. I I understand that, but yeah, somewhere but along that, the line, but you're supposed to. That's supposed to be something that is that is addressed for each individual. When you go down the line, you're looking at the folks. You look at their bodies. You look at their positions. Yeah. Uh, like I said, if it's a smaller if it's a normal person, then you're about, uh, you're, you know, between 20 and 30 degrees to your strong side in order to accommodate the rifle. If you're, if you're a smaller arm person, you need to, may need to crank it a little bit more in order to get the, the rifle to accommodate the rifle. If you're a longer arm person, then it's going to have to be less. It can't be that 30 degrees. It'll have to be less than that, you'll have to face more directly onto the target until you make the, uh, because canting your body, moving the angle of your body back and forth, shortens or lengthens the rifle. So, I understood. Understood. Yeah, I, well, we know you understand it now. What we'll have to do is make sure that the the, that the folks working, uh, that all of our instructors, and a, and a good many of them do, because that's what they're trained to do. But well, they do. I have to say that they do because uh, the first couple of seeds I attended were were heavily attended, and the, the instructor student ratio was pretty pretty high. And only when we got to one where there's only three shooters and four instructors, 
did I have a chance to actually get some one-on-one. And that's when a lot of my deficiencies came to the, came to the forefront. And when we fixed a whole bunch of things that weekend, we fixed like everything in scope. Um, I, I wear trifocals, uh, couldn't see the front, couldn't keep the sight on target. And, um, so it's, it's not an issue of apple seed. It's an issue of numbers. That's one of my reasons for becoming yeah. an instructor so that hopefully there's more people out there to help. So more instructors means better training. Better training means better shooters. So well, I, I don't have an issue. That we could, this might be something that we could send out in an instructor message. Just to remind all of the instructors that uh, when they are, and that's the reason I'm gonna, we're going to talk about building a, uh, a state position. Make sure that well, the, the other thing, that one, last, one last thing is that I appreciate the, the time constraint. Um, this past weekend, we probably spent 20 minutes on site adjustment, and I'm down there waiting to shoot my AQT, and we spent, and I, I was getting cramps in my arms and my chest. We were probably 20 minutes while people were doing site adjustments, so I understand and appreciate what Appleseed's trying to do to address a large audience. Uh, for well, like explain, maybe, explain to me what, it, what was going on. You, you said that they're trying to decide it just but you were getting cramps. Well, we want, what well, was, we're, uh, we're, we're, all, we're all in prone, and um, people were making side adjustments, and I already had made my side adjustments. My point is that it, it's not a, a fault of Appleseed. It's just a matter of numbers. That We had a large group this weekend. I think there were 16 people at our shoot. And all the instructors were trying to adjust sights, and my sights were all my scope was already adjusted, and I had to wait for probably 10 or 15 minutes while all those other things were being done. That being said, uh, we can't expect uh, instructors to go around and fix length of pull and cheek weld and 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 a rise of a rise of the comb in the same time frame. So I have no fault with. The Appleseed Project, all I'm getting at is there should be a uh, a point at which we stop, we, we, we address, does the rifle fit you? Does the rifle suit your, your length of pull? Does the rifle suit your cheek weld, your your your, your turkey neck? And right. those are well, while they were doing the while they were doing the side adjustments, couldn't couldn't you be dry firing? Well, I'm not worried about my drive. I was ready to go. I, as I said, I've been to seven yeah, apples. Yeah, but, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is, if you're if they're making side adjustments and you're allowed to handle your rifle, and then when you're in the prone, make sure that you use that time to to do drive firing. And then if you oh, yeah, to, I, uh, to get up or or move or something, you can do that. Yeah. Get up, move, shake yeah, your arms yeah, up, stuff yeah. like that. Oh, again, but I, use I, that I, time. I, use that time to to do your drive firing. Right, I, 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 which I did, and I, and I do the, the I card myself with my eyes closed. I uh, repeat the NPOA numerous times over. But my point being, we need to somehow work into the program an earlier point of does the rifle fit you? Does the rifle? Um, I mean, these these are average rifles company, you know, a, a ball grade ammo, off the racks rifle. They don't fit everybody, and right, and and uh, and there's probably some point in time where that could be addressed a little better. And again, I have no issue with the absolute program. I'm 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 an ITT dash zero, uh, but I'm all for it. But I just it's, it's something I want to put out there. Um, 
people to consider. And I appreciate your time. I appreciate the show. And um, long live America, brother. <laughs> well, thanks, Lee. Well, we're going to cover that tonight. Uh, we're going to we're going to address that in the building the position, and then uh, and then I'm going to see if I can't. Uh, if I I'm not sure you're doing the, the instructor messages now, but we may uh, we may try and send out start sending out instructor messages uh, about certain things, and uh, and this might be a good one. This might be something to uh, to send out to instructors to make sure that they that they do address this during when they're talking about building the uh the proper position. Yeah. So, right, yeah. Well thanks thank you for right. your call, Lee, and uh thank well, you for your, time, for your thank you for your your heritage, all the uh the folks in your family, all the way back up to uh let's see, what would it be? Your great 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 grandfather Oh, okay. Great, 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 great grandfather. Eight, eight, I'm on the line. Chambersburg, my, my wife has a uh, a relative. She's in the uh, Daughters of the American Revolution, and she enrolls uh, my five daughters in the Daughters of the American Revolution too. She had a uh, a captain in uh, in one of the New York lines. And, wow. His actually his name was uh, was Dame Wood, some uh, derivation of Dame Wood, in uh, and we've got a buddy Sam Dame Wood out in New Mexico, who uh, who uh, let's see, we looked in the book for it and the Dame Woods, uh, Sam Dame Woods family, and the Dame Woods from New York uh, don't have any interaction on the line. But you can trace all of uh, Sam Damewood's family all the way back to uh, uh, when they came over, and uh, and there are a lot of folks in the program who have uh, direct connections back to the American Revolution. And even if you don't, you are still each and every one of us are still directly connected to what they did by their vision, by the vision of what the Founding fathers of this nation. When I say founding fathers, I'm not just talking about uh, Hancock and uh, Franklin uh, and Washington and the rest of those folks. No, we're talking about, talking we're talking about, about the, regular, the regular, the regular Joe, the regular no, Joe. I'm talking was, about, I'm talking was, about the, the was, uh, Captain Damewood and whatever the the Foster was that that fought there. Those I'm talking about those founding fathers. I'm talking yeah. about all of the all of those people. I'm not talking about the, uh, the 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 folks that are commonly talked about. I'm talking about the people who who went out and uh, and sacrificed and uh, and a lot of them even died in order for us to have the freedoms that we have today. And uh, take away the other the other hundred famous names we know. There were 13,500 people at Lexington and Concord who we don't know their names. Exactly. And, so they're, and, 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 they're, and they're all, they're all, they're all. And just as a side note, as in addition to my great-great-grandfather, I have 16 other ancestors who were in the Revolutionary War in some capacity. And that's not that uncommon. I'm not trying to sound like a braggart because if your folks were here prior to probably 1740, most of your people were in the Revolutionary War, 
because there's a big immigration issue. But th- these were just people. These were just people, weavers and tanners and and uh, and uh, cord wainers. Look that one up, cord wainers. Cord right. wainers, people who treated leather and blacksmiths and all these people who just were trying to, to live a day and, and put food on their table, and they were tired of the, of the nonsense. And they just picked up what they had, their, their musket, which was their food, which was their self-defense, and they said no more. And um, well, those, those, that, that's why I'm here today. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Lee. And as I said, thanks to all of the, the founding fathers, the thousands and thousands of folks uh, who were involved in making sure that the nation that the nation was birthed and it was safeguarded. And remember, there was another war in 1812, and yeah, and, and family 1812 as well. Family right, 1812, the civil, the Spanish-American War, Civil War, World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam. We've been here for for seven generations, and people do not understand people, and we need to wake them up to this idea that this is not free. It's a heavy price. It's a heavy price we all need to pay, and we all need to be willing to step up. There's a blog on the the RWVA website about writing a blank check. Have you seen that? Are you familiar with that? There's a blog? Yeah, there, I'm is there, sorry, a, is there a new blog, a RWVA blog? No, I wasn't aware that we no, had another one. No, there, no, there's not a blog. I'm sorry. It's a forum that says okay. this person stepped up and wrote a blank check up to including giving his life for his country. And that's something that people just don't get anymore. We used to have a blog, but they ended up taking it down. But... <clears throat> I'm sorry, it's not but a blog. The, it was a forum, one of the forums. Right. The uh, the responsibility, like I said earlier, falls on each and every one of sure. our shoulders. Each and every one yeah. of us. Now, we don't have to stand in ranks like they did at Lexington Concord, but and that's because of what they did. Uh, if they wouldn't have done that, if they if the if the framers would not have written the Constitution so brilliantly as they did. We may very well have had to. But because well, they stood in ranks, because they, they fought for our freedom, because they birthed this nation and then framed it the way they did, we don't have to stand in ranks and fight like they did. But what really? we have to do uh, is Yeah, we have to we have to remain vigilant. We have to remain connected so that we can do our part. And listen, it's not a huge thing that you have to do. All you have to do is be vigilant and then react uh, and or, or act before instead of uh, reacting, be proactive about it, uh, about maintaining the freedoms and liberties that we have now. I imagine if you ask the folks on Lexington and Concord, if you ask those folks, if you said, look, <clears throat> Here's a choice that you have. You guys can either stand in ranks and uh, face the the most fearsome fighting force on the planet at that time, which was the British Army. Regular, you can yeah. stand in ranks and you can fight them. You can be uh, perhaps shot and killed 
leaving your family with no way to support themselves. Uh, you can be shot and wounded with no life flight, no medical insurance, no doctors, no painkillers, no antibiotics. Uh, you could be arrested and hung. You could be arrested and jailed for years. You could die in or prison or, or, or any of that stuff. Or here's the other option. You can contact your senators and your congressmen and tell them what you what you need. Uh, you can remain vigilant. You can uh, be proactive in finding people to represent you and, and your uh, your community. Uh, which one of those do you think that they would choose? And certainly, the answer is the second. They only fought because they had no no other options. Now, we do. Now, right. if we don't use those options, if we don't remain vigilant, uh, if we if we continue on the course of laziness and apathy, then we, we may very well be forced to stand in ranks. But let me tell you this. That is the absolute worst option because uh, I, I mentioned this last week. You have... Uh, you have tens of thousands of people that are the keyboard commandos, the folks who uh, who are stamping away on their keyboards, give me liberty or give me death, or or they yeah. can they can take my gun when they pry it from my cold dead hands. And just like Joseph Reed wrote in the darkest hours in the winter of 1776, he said, "When I look around me." I do not see the noisy sons of liberty. That's exactly what's going to happen if we don't maintain our freedoms and safeguards. All of these folks that are talking about uh, grabbing their rifles and defending uh, our freedoms and liberties, uh, if, if, they're not, if, if they're not willing to, to make a phone call or send a letter, do you really think that they're going to be out there standing in ranks? And the answer is no. No, you're right. You're exactly no. right. Let me just. If you're put not willing to write there. a letter or make a phone call or send an email, I can guarantee you that they're not going to be out there standing in ranks. All right. Just to see well, the Lee, argument. Thank you. Robert, thank you one, very, one, very one, much. One, one parting shot is that if if and all your listeners out there, I belong to the Green Party. I'm a Buddhist, and I am an orange hat. And the reason I'm an orange hat is so I can be be a member of the Green Party and be a Buddhist. And Buddhists are pacifistic and don't believe in, in violence. But my perspective is a well-armed citizenry, and that will maintain my right to be, be, be a member of the Green Party and a Buddhist and an orange hat and hopefully a red hat soon. Well, I know that the Buddhists are – the Buddhists are – uh, or pacifists, and they they don't want violence right. and stuff like that. Right. But listen, never, I've seen a lot never, of I've seen never, a lot of Buddhists go into into high kung fu mode when they had to. Well, the bottom line is, I don't ever want to shoot a human being. I would like to go to my grave, never never taking violence against a fellow human being. But I will do what I have to do to preserve my right to be a Buddhist, to be a member of the Green Party, be a member of the Communist Party, to be a member of the Klan, to be a member of the Republican, whatever party. I will do my my utmost to preserve that right. 
which includes, if, if need be, my life. But the rest of the world needs to wake up to this fact that this is not free. This idea is not free. This place where we live, this wonderful place we live, is not free. It requires a commitment. You need to get your sorry self off the sofa and get to the ballot box or get to wherever you need to do to affect change. And whatever it takes, if it's my orange hat or my red hat or my 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 loud mouth, God God be it. So well, thank you for your time and your and your in your audience and long live apathy. All right, well, Lee, listen, thank you. And don't be a stranger, all right? You keep calling in and uh, and letting us know about how the events are going in Pennsylvania. Like I said, I didn't go to New York this year, but uh, every time we go, you know, we pass through uh, the uh, western edge of Pennsylvania. And I got to tell you, man, it's like it's like driving for miles through, uh, through a uh, uh, Mel Gibson uh, uh, oh, yeah. movie set. You know, yes, it it's, is. it's well, so beautiful. Every West, every square inch of that place is absolutely gorgeous. Well, please do, please do. It's a wonderful place to live and be a patriot. All right, thank you, Lee. Like I said, don't be All a stranger. Right. Be sure to call back in. Thank you very much. All right, bye bye. We uh, we have to remember that that we don't have. Uh, like I said, this is a this responsibility is not delegatable. We have to do it. We have to maintain it, and it doesn't take a lot of time. Uh, I've gone through this before. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it tonight, but I've gone through this before when I talk to you guys that that five minutes a day, five minutes a day. That's uh, like a cup of coffee, right? Uh, five minutes. That's about what it takes to drink a cup of coffee. Let it kind of cool down. You take a little sips of it. And then finally gulp in the last uh, quarter of the cup uh, before it gets cold. Five minutes a day is all it would take for us to ensure that the freedoms and liberties that we have that are being eroded, that are sliding uh, away from us. And in, in places, they're they're just flying away from us. Five minutes a day uh, would ensure that these freedoms, these liberties are safeguarded. Uh, it's, and the problem is right now is that <clears throat> the danger that we're facing is not a readily apparent one. It's not manifesting itself in the form of uh, thousands of uh, screaming jihadists uh, uh, coming ashore and uh, and shooting and burning and maiming, uh, etc. It's manifesting itself in thousands of pages of paperwork, and it comes cloaked uh, underneath the uh, bills and uh, executive orders that that you can't see it. Uh, it's, it's buried in a in a in a snowstorm flurry of paper. If it were the ten thousand screaming uh, jihadists or uh, or or British regulars, uh, uh, you know, storming ashore, uh, it would be very easy to understand that danger and focus on it, and the answer 
for that case, it's very easy. You know, you grab your uh, grab your rifle and you form up lines and you defend uh, you defend your 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 nation's soil. Problem is, is that the danger that we face now is is not doesn't have a pinpoint to focus on. It's a, it's a nebulous type cloud that it's hard to get a handle on. I've used the example before of uh, of rust on, a, on the Golden Gate Bridge. <clears throat> you you know that there's rust on the steel, and you know that it's eating through the steel, and so something has to be done. If your kids were in a school bus going across the Golden Gate Bridge, and uh, they were stopped by uh, by a hundred guys uh, who pile out of an eighteen wheeler with uh, with guns, and they were uh, they were being shot at, or, or they were attempting to to kidnap them. That's an easy thing to to focus on. That's an easy problem. I'm not going to say it's easy to fix it. I'm say it's easy to focus on it. It's easy to understand and see the danger there. When it's rust on the bridge, it's much harder to focus or to understand this threat or to or to see the threat as an imminent threat because it's rust. And surely somebody will peck away at the rust and, and fix it and paint it. But what if everybody thought that? What if the guys who were, uh, who were supposed to be maintaining the Golden Gate Bridge, what if they just, what if they started uh, doing what all of the rest of America is doing, and they started saying, well, surely, instead of them, they themselves, who were detailed to do it, they said, surely somebody, some other crew must be doing it. We're just going to, uh, we're going to have some coffee, and we sent somebody for donuts and bagels, and uh, we're going to watch a game on the TV, and after that, there's a NASCAR race. We're going to watch that. Where certainly somebody out there is fixing the rust. And they did this day after day. And one day, your kids are on that school bus going across the bridge, and it just it just cracks. And they go down headfirst into the bay in that bus. And they all perish. That That is what we're looking at now, that the rust, Sure as shooting is going to destroy that bridge. But it doesn't happen fast. You know, there's a little rust here and a little rust there, and then there's a little more rust and you know, it's it's not it's not some huge thing that you see everywhere. It's just a little here and a little there and it's it's eating away at the still underneath the paint. You know, it's making those paint bubbles. And underneath those bubbles, there's still paint on the outside, but underneath those bubbles is rust eating away day after day at that bridge until it it eats it until there is a uh, uh, there is a fatal flaw in the bridge and that's what we're doing that's what's happening to us here in America there's no uh, specific threat that we see that we can all uh, we can all grab our gear and 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 form up and and meet the threat and uh, and grasp victory and pull victory from the jaws of defeat 
and and then all pat ourselves on the back and enjoy our victory uh, in defending our nation's freedoms and liberties. There's no, there's nothing that we can focus on. Instead, what we get uh, in Appleseed, we get we call them icebergs. Icebergs, icebergs that uh, are in the path of the Titanic, and these uh, icebergs come in the forms of different bills or or different laws that uh, are designed to focus your attention on them so that you're not looking at other things that are going on, and instead you have all your attention focused on one of two of these icebergs. Well, here's the problem with that. With the Titanic, as it was streaming along that night at cruising speed, uh, even if the the two watchers in the crow's nest would have had their binoculars, and they didn't because the, uh, the purser had locked the binocular cabinets, and they couldn't get to them. But say they did. Say they would have had the binoculars, and they would have looked, and they would have seen the iceberg that uh, they were headed toward. And they called out the, the warning for it, and the ship actually made it around that iceberg. That's great. But here's the problem. There were thousands and thousands of icebergs in the ship's path. So, yeah, they made it around that one, but there's another one after that, and another, and another, and another. If you keep focusing on the icebergs, then you get locked into the cycle that we're locked into now, and that is the very uh, short-term view of what's happening to us. Uh, This bill, and this bill, and this bill. Instead... The theory of Appleseed is we're not we're not worried about the weather, you know. The weather is is constantly changing, right? Unless you live in uh, the Sahara Desert or something like that. In most places in America, the weather is constantly changing. We have uh, sunny skies today, and maybe tomorrow we'll have rain. Uh, and as it progresses from from summer to fall, we'll start getting uh, some, maybe some more rain or or, or fog or sleet or, or hail or snow or a tornado, uh, on and on, right? The weather continually changes. This year, uh, we may have uh, Democrats, and uh, next year, we may have Republicans, and, uh, and two years after that, there may be another a swing change, and there's going to be, it's going to go back, and the weather is going to constantly change. The idea behind Appleseed is not to get engaged in the weather. The idea behind Appleseed is to change the climate, to change the climate. You change the climate for the uh for the ship sailing through the iceberg-laden waters, if you change the climate where the Titanic is moving and you make it warmer, then all of the icebergs melt. 
and you don't have to look at them. You don't have to see them. You don't have to be uh, wary of the danger of icebergs in a ship's path because you've changed the climate. The icebergs can't form up. That's the same thing that we're working on here at Appleseed. We're going. We're not going to worry about the weather. We're going to worry about the climate, and that means we want to make it so that that our representatives understand our positions on safeguarding the freedoms and liberties that everyone in this nation enjoys by virtue of living in this nation. We're going to make it so that if they if they even consider trying to take one of the liberties away from us, then they just disappear. Then they they are cut off. We want to make we'll make it known to anybody up in politics in the the political situation, any of our representatives, that it's their duty to represent us, to listen to our needs, and then to follow through on that. Uh, right now, uh, that's not what ha- what's happening. Right now, there's a, a a horrible reversal of it. Right now, our, our representatives, our senators, our congressmen, all of the the folks in Washington who are supposed to be representing us, who are supposed to be looking out for the for the nation, instead they're looking out for themselves. They're looking out for their own feather beds and their golf junkets and their uh, their lifetime retirement fees and pensions and, and on and on. When we go to them now, it's expected that we go on bended knees so that we can beg a boon from our liege. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. They're supposed to be serving us. They're public servants. are supposed to be listening to us and serving us. We want to change the climate. We don't want to worry about the weather. We don't want to call. We don't have to, to keep calling our our congressmen and our senators and saying, "Hey, uh, here's what we want on this bill or, or this or this bill, etc." We want to make it known that that any bill, any piece of legislation, any laws that would come through and would usurp our freedoms, our rights, our liberties, uh, is immediately quashed. And it doesn't even uh, appear to begin with. That's what changing the weather is about. Uh, we've got another caller. Uh, we've got uh, Ed from, and I've, I've seen Ed, and I know I've, heard, I've seen him talk in the chat rooms, but I don't know where he's from. Ed, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, uh, I'm from Western PA also. I, I was trying to get on with Lee there, but you apparently had some computer issues. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sam said the uh, Sam said the control panel wasn't working for him. Which Block Talk has has gotten so big and so huge that uh, that I'm sure it's like uh, uh, you know it's 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 uh, got a lot of tweaks in it. So I apologize for that, but uh, but go ahead and and give us the uh, give us what you were going to talk about uh, when Ed, when uh, uh, Lee was on. Well, I, I, I wanted to say congratulations to Lee. Unfortunately, I was not in the local crew uh, this past weekend because I was out visiting California, uh, you know, when he made Rifleman, so I haven't got to congratulate him in person yet. Um, and I think I remember that first apple seed that he was mentioning. Uh, I was an IIT zero at that shoot, so <laughs> it's, been, it's, it's been an interesting journey. 
But what were you doing in California? Were you at a shoot in California? (laughs) In fact, I was, but that wasn't why I was out there. I was uh, at Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, and uh, I looked at the uh, Apple Seed schedule, and I said, hey, look, there's one the the weekend right as it was finishing. I talked to to some people in the business, and I said, well, you know, does it cost any more for the plane to just, you know, to give me an extra couple of days? And they... They went and looked at it and said, no, it's cheaper. And I said, book it. Perfect. I, I stayed Perfect. with a friend while, stayed with a friend while I was out there. I dragged him to at least Saturday of an apple seed. And he said he's going to go back. So, Who did you work with out there? Who was uh, Shoot Boss for the Shoot? Uh, shoot Boss for the Shoot was Nero. And, uh, you know, we had um, uh, Boxes of Liberty was an IIT3. Um, um, uh, Han Solo was an IIT. Oh God! Now I'm going to be in trouble for not remembering all of their names. Oh, um, that's all right. Don't worry about that. There, there's a great crew. All the California folks uh, yeah. that I've spoken to, I haven't met any yet, which is which is killing me. I'd love to get out to California, but all the California folks that I've spoken to uh, are great folks. Did you did you find uh, any stuff that you could steal? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've been traveling all over the place, and uh, I'm finding stuff to steal everywhere. But, well, um, that a good instructor will go to uh, go to different shoots and uh, and watch the show that the that they're running there, and he will steal absolutely everything of value and incorporate it into his own show, so that uh, he can become a a much better instructor and more well-rounded instructor. And uh, that's what I still do that. You know, I still also I I learn from IIT zeros. Whenever they get uh, into the teaching mode and they start uh, teaching something like the uh, like uh, building a proper position or the six steps to firing the shot, uh, I listen to how they do it, and I learn from them all the time. I learn from all of the instructors that uh, that I work with, and every instructor should. Uh, one of the things that I always tell folks, uh, all of the instructors, is that whenever you go to a shoot, uh, whenever you're, especially when you're working a shoot, you should be where the shooters are. No matter where they are, you should be with them. If they're down at the target line, you should be down there. I don't care how many instructors there are. They should never be grouped together in the back talking or anything else. Wherever the students are, that's where the instructors are. If somebody's giving a presentation on the six steps, then you should be there watching it and listening to it and uh, incorporating any good stuff into your show. So that's I agree entirely for them. I, I agree entirely. It's um, Right now, I, this past weekend was my uh, sixth shoot as uh, an instructor, and uh, I of those six shoots, I've done them in four states now. So... I'm seeing a, a wide swath of apple seeds. Well, that's perfect. That's a great, great job, Ed, and and keep doing it. Now, we want folks, of course, to we want them to to take ownership of their local areas. So, the Western Pennsylvania area, we want you to take ownership of that area and become. Uh, like a full-time instructor for that area. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't uh, jump to any of the shoots that you can get to 
and either assist there, and while you're assisting, learn. So well, you're doing a great job, Ed. The, the, the way that I'm kind of looking at it is um, we, we have a number of um, – well, we, we have a number of instructors now in the local western Pennsylvania area. We've had a real great growth, an explosion of growth this year. And um, a lot of them can't really travel very far to go to, you know, various places. I sort of have a luxury that, you know, I don't consider it a long drive until I, I've driven more than nine hours. So I'm going out and I'm bringing everything back that I can to, you know, our our local guys. Excellent. That's a great job. Uh, any of the uh, the local guys that you would like to uh, to sing out about or say thanks to there in western Pennsylvania? Well, um, I, I could list our entire crew. Um, you know, we have our, right, designated, our designated shoot boss is EZ3. Um, he, you know, was in the dark times of western Pennsylvania when he was the only instructor for, I think, almost two years. And uh, now he has two I, 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 IIT4s, myself and... Uh, Stand, um, and he now has two uh, fairly new IITs. Uh, one is Decade, and the other one is Lee. Uh, or on the forums, he's Invictus Meno. I, I don't know how to pronounce the last name of that. Probably ruined it. But that—that's all of Western PA right there. And well, I have to mention. I have to mention. Um, we have Mr. Happy, who travels over from Ohio, and is with us all the time. And you know, he is vastly appreciated. Well, thanks to all of the crew there in Western PA, and uh, and Ed, thank you uh, for the work that you're doing because I can tell from I can tell from the way that you're talking, and I've seen I've, I've read some of your posts and stuff on the forum and in the chat room, and you're you're the uh, a really great example of what instructors should be doing, how they should be. Uh, how they should be using their time and getting to different shoots and and you've you've you yourself uh from what I've seen and read you've been going pretty fast i mean you you've been following the the correct guidelines and you've been doing your p c you've been doing a p c at each event that you go to so far and you're all you're up to the i t four level now yeah I, I always try i mean you know, if you don't if you don't try, you can't fail. So I, I view it as you know I should do it regardless of if I'm if I feel I'm ready because I'm going to learn from the experience of not succeeding. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and that's a great way. That's a great uh, uh, frame of mind, and that's exactly what everybody should be doing. Every if you're an instructor uh, coming up to the ranks, at at every event that you go to, you should be testing for whatever your next PC is. And just like Ed said, even if you don't feel that you're ready, you should still do it. You should still say, look, put me on the books. I want to go for this. And if you don't make it, you don't get huffy. You don't walk off and say, I can't believe it. I should have been blah, blah, blah. You just say, hey, thanks for the opportunity. Tell me where I was, uh, where I need some work at. Then you get to your, uh, you get to your manual. You go back over it. You fix any uh, problems that you had. On the next event, uh, you you let the person know, hey, I'm coming to do uh, my uh, PC, whatever, again, and uh, and I'm going to be ready for this one. And you keep doing that. You don't don't ever go to an event without asking for a PC or asking to be tested uh, in whatever way that you can. 
Uh, I'm a master's tucker, but I still go to events and uh, ask them to run me through the AQT, and I run through it just like the students do, and I shoot it just like they do, uh, because that's the only way to keep in touch with what you're supposed to be teaching. Get on the line and shoot and uh, and make sure that your skills are remaining current and make sure that uh, that the, the, the only way to, to, to know well, what the folks are going through when they're being taught is for you to get down and do it too. So make sure that uh, while you're doing your PCs and while you're instructing and everything else, if you get a chance... Get down on the line with your rifle and run through the AQT just like everybody else. Well, and, you know, one of the secrets, I I think, of just, you know, shooters that are going to these events, um, I don't think that they understand how much better of a shooter you'll become just by, you know, accepting an orange hat and, you know, and going through that because, you know, I, I was a maybe, I, I could probably do four MOA on a good day, you know, whenever I first started. Um, my groups have tightened up massively because I know every you know every part of every step now. I'm reciting it to myself because I had to memorize it all so that I could teach it. And it, it's a vastly different understanding than the experience of the shooter. Oh, well, absolutely. And I was talking to uh, 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 who was I talking to? I think I was talking to Red Dot uh, about this, and that is that. That you that you learn by doing, and I certainly remember uh, I remember my first uh, the first apple seed that that I did, and of course it was this was back in the days where you uh, things were a lot different. Uh, I went through the boot camp, and at the end of the boot camp, they said, "Okay, you." It was me and uh, Dragonwood. They said, "You and Dragonwood, you're running the show," and uh, and we did it. And and that's the way you learn. You learn by doing it. And if you make mistakes, you learn from those mistakes. Now it's much better to learn from other people's mistakes than uh, for you to make a mistake and do it. It's better to to watch somebody running with some scissors and watch them fall and get uh, jugged by those scissors uh, for you to learn not to run with the scissors, right? Uh, but if you do run Absolutely. with the scissors and you fall and get you, then that's then you certainly have learned not to do it. But you should throw yourself into it. You should you should ask to to teach the sections or to tell the stories, even if you don't feel like you're completely ready. Then that's the way you should do it. I mean, we tell folks all the time. Uh, I do anyway. People are getting ready to come to an apple seed, and they say, "Well, you know, I'd like to come, but." I need to do some more practice, and I need to zero my rifle and blah, blah, blah. And I tell them, hey, you don't need to do any of that. All you need to do is get your rifle and your gear and get on the line in an apple seat. You don't have to to practice or anything else to be ready for the event. You just come to the event, throw yourself into it with a teachable attitude, and you're going to do well. So you're doing a great job, uh, Ed, and I really thank you for it. Uh, how many events are you guys looking at this year in uh, PA? Do you know? Uh, uh, the whole state, I think, has 50. Um, I could be wrong there. Um, you know, it's uh, most of those are on the eastern side of the state. Uh, I, you know, in most of what I'm doing, I'm going a lot to a lot of Ohio events because eastern PA is actually further 
from me than right. most of Ohio. Right. Um, so, unfortunately, yeah, there's a little bit of a divide there. It's a fairly large state, especially if you're talking about going east and west. It's a That's a pretty long drive. It's longer than... It's longer than almost any other state until you get out west to go east and west in Pennsylvania. It's a, it's a pretty good long drive. You're all the way from uh, from Canada to the uh, to the ocean is a long drive. It certainly is. But um, well, listen, yeah, I think there are 50 events in PA, and uh, we're doing pretty good as a state. That's great. You know, if every state ran. 50 events, uh, we would be uh, we would be way ahead of where we are now. We could jump over uh, a couple of years in our progression, and and it's not yep. that hard to get uh, to get the events on the line. Now, I know a lot of states uh, have a shortage of instructors, but but hopefully we're working past that, and we got folks like you who are doing a great job of uh, of cross border. Uh, instructing, and uh, and hopefully we'll keep building up the instructor core, and and when we get to every state doing 50 shoots, we'll be doing a bang up job. Well, is there anything else you want to get out to Ed? Uh, nope. Uh, you know, I just I'm just packing up for the apathy that I'm doing this weekend, so <laughs> I'll just keep listening. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, I got one this weekend too, and uh, I've got a lot of folks. Uh, that I've been talking to uh, before they were coming. There was a, one family, uh, a woman and four kids, and she didn't want to come because she didn't think she was ready. She goes, I don't think I'm ready. And uh, and I told her, I said, look, if you all you have to have is a teachable attitude. We'll provide the rest. Uh, she didn't have any rifles, nothing. So I gave her a list of just the, the short list of things she can get. She's going to grab some, uh, some rimfire ammunition, and uh, and some eye protection for the kids and the rest of the stuff we're going to provide, and uh, and then uh, uh, and then there was uh, three or four four other folks I talked to who are kind of in the same uh, kind of in the same frame of mind. I'm not ready. I don't think I'm ready. Yet. And and you don't have to be ready. All you got to do is show up with a teachable attitude. All right, Ed. Well, thank you very much. Keep doing what you're doing. God bless you and yours. And uh, and and, stay and thank you for what you past. do, Scout. And thank you for what you do. All right. Thank you, Ed. All right. We've got uh, we've got about uh, let's see, 49 minutes left. I can't see the chat. The uh, the blog talk. Uh, whatever software is even allowing me to see it now, it it froze up on me and disappeared. So, <clears throat> if somebody's asking questions in the chat room, you can go ahead and put it. Uh, you can go ahead and ask questions in there, and uh, uh, I mean, Sam can either whisper it in my ear or he can uh, uh, post it to me on the uh, switchboard. <laughs> oh well, never mind. It just opened up. All right. Uh, we want to go ahead and say, if somebody wants to call, you can still call in uh, during the whole show. We'll still take a break and take your calls. If you want to call in and thank uh, any of your local crew or let us give us a, a an action report for your state or something, we'll still be glad to hear that. You can call in at 347-308-8790. But we're going to go ahead and get started with uh, 
with uh, the very first thing you have to do in order to make the shot, and that's building the proper position. <clears throat> now, uh, uh, Lee, I think, called in at the beginning of the show, and uh, and we're going to talk about the the stuff that that he went through in just a minute. <clears throat> but before you can make the shot, in order for you to make the shot consistently, you're going to have to build a steady position. And uh, in Appleseed, we shoot in four different. Uh, we, we shoot in in three three different positions in four stages. But within each stage, uh, within each shooting position, there is a large variety of ways to do it. What we're going to give you is we're going to give you the the uh, the basic position. And we're going to give you the steady hold factors for it, and uh, and then you're going to alter it to what you need it to be. All right. So, <clears throat> so let's get started with that. Uh, the very first position uh, that we're going to that we're going to talk about. Give me just one second here. I'm going to. I'm going to uh, try and type. Okay, because as we know, uh, we can't, uh, we can't, I can't type and talk at the same time. Uh, Hold on. All right, we've got uh, the first position that we're gonna, that we'll show you uh, is going to be the prone position. All right, this is the steadiest position is to be in prone, and uh, because of all the the abilities uh, of the prone position for you to be uh, supported. Now, like I was talking with Lee, the first thing that you're going to do, and this is the generic beginning, this is how you're going to start out. And then you're going to alter it and tweak it to you uh, however it needs to be done. It's no different than, than going into a store for men and getting a suit. You can buy a suit off the rack, and you know, it may work for you, it, it may not. But you're going to get that suit off the rack, and then you're going to go over to the tailor, and the tailor is going to alter it so that it fits you correctly because the suit was just uh, designed to fit a generic human being, and no two individuals are alike, all right? Uh, so the tailor is going to tailor the suit to fit your needs. And this is the same thing with the, the, the different positions. There's going to be some general rules, and then there's going to be uh, then there's going to be a, a tailoring of the uh, of each of the positions. All right, I'm going to stop trying to uh, I'm, stop, I'm going to stop trying to read here, and we're just going to go into it. All right, you're going to uh, in the 
prone position, you're going to start by facing the target head on, and then you're going to uh, alter your position by turning to face about 20 to 30 degrees to your strong side. Your strong side is the hand that you use to actually uh, squeeze the trigger whenever you're shooting. If you're right-handed, then your strong side is to your right. If you're left-handed, then your strong side is to your left. So you're going to start facing the target. You're going to move your. You're going to move the direction that you're facing about 20 to 30 degrees to your strong side, and you're going to lay on the ground in that position. Then you're going to take your rifle and get it up into uh, your shoulder, and we'll start out by at the very front, as if you were facing the person who's in the prone position, and you're working your way uh, around them from the muzzle. So the first thing you're going to look at is to see if their elbow, their support elbow, is as far underneath the rifle as it can be. The reason you want to do this is so that uh, so that hopefully the support elbow is, is directly under the rifle, the elbow then is on the ground, and the arm, uh, the forearm is going straight up to where it meets the stock. This is because we don't want to, to use muscles uh, to hold our position. There should be no muscles involved, uh, uh, or as little muscle involved as possible when you're setting up your position because muscles become fatigued. Uh, muscles can uh, weaken or, or, or falter. Uh, so getting the support elbow as far underneath the rifle as possible uh, is very important. And that way you have the rifle sitting on the hand, which is sitting on the forearm, which is sitting on the elbow, sitting on the ground. So you have rifle, bone, 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 ground. That way you don't have to use muscles. Now if you look at the hand, the hand gripping the rifle from the, the support hand should be uh, open and relaxed. If you want to curl your fingers and touch the stock, you can. But if you look down at the shooter's support hand, there should not be any white fingernails. There should be no white knuckles. It should just be an open hand with the Rifle stock, basically following the lifeline of the palm, all right? You don't want to grip the rifle. Gripping the rifle means that you're using muscles. Using muscles means that you're imparting movement. We want to try and get all of the muscles away from this, uh, uh, from this position. All right. <clears throat> now you're looking at the, the person's body, at their spine. Uh, the spine should be straight. If you look at somebody and they're, they're, they've got their upper body kind of planted and you look at their lower body and it's offline and there's a curvature to the spine, then that's incorrect. You want to have the spine straight because if the spine is straight, that means there's no muscles that are having, that are having to be used in order to support the body. If the spine is curved, uh, it's absolutely going to have muscles that are interacting uh, with the body in order to keep 
the spine curved. So you want to make sure that their spine is straight. And then you come to the uh, their weak side leg. That leg should be in line with the upper body. And so if you look at uh, if you if you mentally have a straight line from the base of the neck that follows the spine down to the buttocks, the leg should be uh, following that same line so that the spine and the leg uh, are on the same line. And then you come around to the strong side leg. That should be pulled up tightly. That means that you're bringing your your uh, strong side knee up as far as you can and curling that leg up behind it. And uh, once you do that, once you pull that leg up tight, then that needs to be relaxed. You should pull up as tight as it goes, as tight as you can get it, and then release those muscles. The leg will stay, will stay there because of your pressure of your body and on the ground. But pull it up as tight as you can and then release those muscles from it. There shouldn't be any muscles that are holding that leg in place. It should be pulled up as far as it can, and then the pressure of your body against the ground should support, should keep that leg in place without any muscle usage. All right, now you come up to the the uh, strong side, the, the uh, uh, strong side elbow. That should be firmly planted on the ground. There shouldn't be any kind of tripoding, right? Or, or bipoding. That means that that the person is is supporting themselves in kind of like a V fashion, so that they have weight, they have an equal amount of weight on the the uh, the, the strong side elbow and the supporting side elbow. So that they're kind of like in a bipod fashion. That's not the way it should be. They have, should have the majority. Uh, of the weight of their body in the rifle should be on the support elbow that's directly under the rifle. The strong side elbow should just be planted firmly uh, uh, to stabilize the position, and then those muscles should be turned off. Now we look at the uh, the strong hand grip. Look at the hand now. The grip should be grasping the stock right there where uh, right behind the action right where their their finger can have access to the trigger it should be grasping the stock in a strong handshake style grip all right and you know what a a handshake grip is you guys uh, you guys uh, everybody has shaken somebody else's hand before and you know what a good uh, handshake grip is uh, it's not a clinch. You're not uh, squeezing the other person's hand. You don't have any white knuckles, white fingernails. It's just a a firm handshake-style grip. And it's grasping the stock and pulling it back into your shoulder. All right, now let's look at the at the head. The head should be turkey necked and then planted on the stock. And when I say turkey neck, what I'm talking about is you take your your head and your neck 
and you don't scrunch it down uh, like you're trying to uh, avoid, uh, you know, something being thrown at you. You lengthen your neck uh, as if there were a rope uh, attached to the very top of your head, and it's pulling it so that your vertebrae are lengthened as far as it'll go, uh, because it'll only go so far without without assistance. You lengthen your neck, and then you lay it down on your stock. And the reason you do this is for consistency. You lengthen your neck, and then you place it onto the stock for your cheek weld. You do this for consistency, because your, your neck is only going to go so far. So you know that once you lengthen your neck and put it down the stock, it's in the same place that it is every time. It can't you can't go any further. This also helps with uh, with recoil, especially from uh, from folks who are using scopes. If you lengthen your neck as far as it will go, and then place it on the stock, and you have a scope adjusted for that, that means that whenever you go into recoil. The scope can't come back to your face because the recoil that's being generated pushes your shoulder back, which is connected to your neck, which is connected to your your head and your face. That means if you have put, if you have lengthened your neck, put it down to your stock, and then adjusted your scope for that position, during recoil, your face has to move back with the recoil. People get uh, scope face. Whenever they when they don't do this, and they adjust it so that whenever it goes into recoil, there's a couple of inches of neck that that can open up and move back and leave the head in that position while it's going into recoil, so the head stays there until the scope comes back and smacks it. So you're going to lengthen your neck. Put it down onto the stock, and that way that every time you do this, it goes to the same place. Every time you do it, it goes to the same place. Then, once you put it on the stock, then you're going to get a cheek weld. And the reason it's called a weld is because it's a good, firm uh, position on the stock in the same place every time. It's not hovering uh, above the stock. Uh, kind of moving around, uh, just barely touching it, barely touching the stock with your face. It's in the same place every time. All right. These are the steady hold factors. And you're going to have to uh, adjust your position to suit your particular needs, all right? What we've given you is the uh, the basic position, and then you're going to tweak it, you're going to alter it to fit you and your rifle. And we were talking to Lee earlier about this. Lee's a tall guy. He's got long arms. People with long arms will have to face more directly onto the target. All right? If... If you have a shooter that is smaller, has a smaller body frame, then they're going to have to face more away from the target 
in order to shorten the rifle. When you move face onto the target, you're lengthening the rifle. Uh, if you see some folks that are uh, that are really tall and they're facing straight onto the target, don't try and make them camp, all right? They're probably going to need that, that straight face on in order to make the rifle longer for them. <clears throat> now, I also want some to mention for instructors uh, is to, uh, and for shooters too, is when you are selecting a position on the ground to get into, take into account the way that the ground is. Now, you're you're never going to be able to select your ground all the time, but you can usually select it at an apple seed, uh, the, the place where you lay down. If you look at the position and there is a, there's a slight depression closer to the line and you're going to have to lay with your body facing down into that depression, if you can't get somewhere else, and the instructors take a look at your line. If, uh, if there is, and I've run into this quite a few times at lines, lines that haven't been, that are fairly fresh and haven't been smoothed out and stuff like that, Take a look at the line and make sure that uh, that the uh, that there's not a hole that they're not uh, that they don't have their carpet laid down or their their stuff laid down into a hole uh, or they have like their one of their support elbows in a hole or on top of a of a mound or something like that. Try and get in in. And yes, uh, you may at some point in your shooting uh, path, you may end up uh, having to shoot on a rock or in a hole or something else, whatever. But do your best to try and, and eliminate these with folks on the line, all right? So take a look at your line. Make sure that uh, somebody isn't uh, uh, laying, like, facing downwards on the line. If you can move them around so that they're not, uh, especially people with shorter or, or smaller frame bodies. Make sure that they are not, uh, don't have their upper body in a hole in front of them or uh, or anybody has their their arm, one arm or the other, in the depression or something like that. Take a look at your line. Uh, if you can do something uh, before, you know, if you get there a day before or something, you look at the line and it's, and it's raggedy, see if you can't get a shovel or... Uh, maybe a dirt rake or something, and try and smooth it out as much as you can. I had to do this several times, and uh, the uh, on, on different ranges. But of course, we've had to do different things with folks because we've we've had some some pretty rough shooting areas, and and ant attacks, and hornets, and uh, and you name it. But uh, if you can't smooth out the ground as uh, as much as possible, if there's a hole or depression there, uh, try and move the people away from the hole, uh, especially if they're, like I said, if they have their upper bodies facing downward. So pay attention to the line. If you can't get it as smooth, nice and smooth as possible for your shooters and uh, and pay attention to the way that they are that they are sitting there on the on the dirt and make sure that they're 
that they don't that they're not being canted by having one arm or the other in a hole or something like that. But I, I see that very often, and uh, and try and alter that. <clears throat> All right. Uh, this is the prong position. All right. And we teach it first because that's at Appleseed because that's the it's the most stable position. Uh, and we want folks to start out uh, learning in the most stable, all right? The next position we're going to go to is the sitting position. And the sitting position has all types of uh, all types of of actual positions that we allow uh in the sitting position. Uh we've got uh the most stable one in sitting is where you have uh, both uh butt cheeks on the ground and you have your legs crossed uh at the ankles, right? <clears throat> uh, and then you have both of your elbows supported on your knees. This is the most stable position uh, for sitting. It's not the easiest one to get into, but it's the most stable position for sitting because, once again, you have bone, which is your elbow, you have, I mean, uh, your uh, your hand, which is going to be sitting on your forearm, which is sitting on your elbow, which is sitting on the bone of your leg, which is sitting on the bone of your, it's being supported by the bone of the foot, which is sitting on the ground, right? So you have uh, bone, 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 ground. So this is the, the, the one we would like you to try and achieve, and, and it may not happen at first. It took me a long time to get into the cross ankle position and be able to shoot. Now, I'm going to make sure that uh, that you as an instructor, that you're not telling your shooters to get into a comfortable position. I don't think that, uh, I don't know that Appleseed has any comfortable position. And we don't want people to be comfortable, so we don't use a C word. What we want you to get into is a steady, repeatable position, all right? A steady, repeatable position. The first time I was in the cross leg, I think my eyes were watering, and I think I just uh, squeezed the trigger uh, eight times until I popped the end block out, and then uh, I got out of position. I I don't know that I was really paying attention to where I was shooting because it was very, it was extremely painful to be in the correct uh, seated cross-angle position for me. But I kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And then finally, uh, you know, at some point during the, the, the three days of shooting, I was able to sit and get into the seated, seated position, cross-angle, and uh, shoot my 10 rounds. Uh, and then... Uh, even remain there for a uh, you know another 15 to 20 seconds before I need to get out, and then I kept repeating it and kept repeating it until 
the seated position on the cross angles became uh, my most steady position and a position which I could shoot the fastest in. Uh, the seated position uh, allowed me to shoot super fast and uh, retain my uh, my natural point of aim on each target, and uh, and I, I, I like it. The reason we have different positions is because you're going to, uh, in your shooting life, you're going to uh, you're going to end up experiencing. Uh, different uh, terrains and stuff. If you were, if you're on the grassy plain, and you were in uh, the prone position, and you look and you've got you've got grass in front of you, you can barely see the target. That's not going to be a good position for you to be in. <clears throat> I've uh, I've shot here on my actual distance range several times. I think I even have a photograph of it of shooting when the while well, the dandelions. Uh, were in bloom from the prone position, and you can actually see a swath from from the barrel down to the target where the, the dandelion seeds were floating around because it it zipped through them. And guess what? I'm sure the bullet touched some of them, and if it did, that means it uh, it's not guaranteed to go where I want it to go. Because any anything that touches uh, that provides any movement to the barrel or touches a bullet after it exits is going to alter its impact. So what I needed to do in that uh, occasion was to get into the seated, so that I can see above the dandelions and whatever else is in my way and make the shot. If you get into the seated cross angle position. And there are still there's still obstructions. Maybe you're in higher grass or something like that. You may need to go to the kneeling position, and uh, and that is for apple seed. That's one of the one of the seated positions that you can use is kneeling. <clears throat> there are many types of uh, of the actual seated position. You can shoot uh, like I was talking about with both buttocks on the ground uh, with your Legs crossed at the ankles, and uh, and then your elbows on your knees. And when I say on your knees, I'm not talking about your elbows sitting on top of your knees. Can't do that. That is like two ball bearings. One sitting one ball bearing on top of the other. Every time you shoot, it's going to it's going to move your elbows. That means that every time you shoot, you're going to be shooting from a different position. There's no way to consistently make the shot if you're shooting from a different position every time you shoot. There's no way to keep your NPOA if you're doing that. So what you need to do is you need to move the elbows slightly forward of the knee or uh, I take my left elbow and put it in the crook of my left uh, thigh and lower leg and rest it in there. My right elbow goes forward of the knee and uh, that means that whenever I I shoot, I have my left support elbow in the crook of my leg and my right elbow is forward of the knee and it positions that when I shoot, 
the recoil presses me back into the knee. It doesn't move my elbow back, and my whole body rocks and then comes back into the the correct position to take the next shot. My whole body rocks backwards and then comes back down. When it comes back down, I have the correct natural point of aim. I'm ready to take the next shot. And like I said, I can shoot from the seated position much faster than I can from prone. All right, the steady hold factors for the seated position are going to be the same as for the prone. Looking at the person from the front, you're going to look and make sure that the their hand is open. It's not clenching the barrel. There's no white fingernails. There's no white knuckles. Uh, it's simply a rest for the rifle to sit on. The support elbow is going to either be forward of the knee, uh, in the crook of the knee, somewhere where whenever you make the shot and you go into recoil, it's not going to slide. It's not going to move. Because every time you move something, you change, you alter your position. You alter your MPOA. It's a brand new one. It may be right, but it may not. You know, who knows? So make sure that you have your elbow, the support elbow, in a position so that it can absorb the recoil without moving. All right? Now you're going to look at the uh, uh, at the firing elbow, at the trigger arm elbow, and it's going to be forward of the knee also, or in the crook of the knee. It's going to be somewhere other than resting straight on top of the knee so that it can take the recoil and stay in place so that you have uh, the same NTOA and you're ready for the follow-up shot. The uh, trigger hand is going to be gripping the rifle in a uh, in a nice, firm handshake grip, pulling the rifle back into the pocket of the shoulder. You're going to do your turkey neck again. You're going to have a good cheek weld. And that is going to be your steady hold factors for this seated position. Uh, one last thing is you're going to you're going to select some way of making your movement uh, in all these positions. And normally it's either from the prone, it's from the support elbow, from the seated. I usually use my left butt cheek. That's going to be the place where the the body is anchored for movement. And now you can go into, uh, from the cross angle, you can go to the cross leg. Uh, that's where the, the legs are crossed in front of you, but the the knees are not laying on the ankles and supported by them. And they're more up in the air. This is uh, less steady. From there you go into the open leg. That's where you have your legs uh, are crooked, they're bent, but they're both open and uh, stretching out away in front of you. And this is even less steady you know, because every time you alter your position and uh, you make it uh, you make it less steady, then you're going to have to deal with that movement. And we want to, we want to cut out uh, as much movement as we can in order to make the shot consistently. Uh, you can do kneeling. And uh, in kneeling... You have uh, some of the same steady hold factors. You have 
the hand being a support. You have the elbow as far under the rifle straight as you can with the elbow of the support arm on the knee, and uh, the knee is straight under the rifle going down to the foot that's sitting on the ground. Uh, but then you come around to the the strong side, and you don't have a way for the strong side elbow to be supported. So what you'll have to do in this case is you'll have to chicken wing it. That means you're going to have to bring it up high. And that way, once you bring the, the arm up high, then you're bringing it to the same position every time. You're bringing that, that chicken wing up, and it, it may not be the exact uh, position by millimeters, but it's going to be pretty close. And that's what you're going to have to have. You're going to have to try and be as consistent as you can by bringing the elbow up uh, to the same place every time and chicken wing it. All right? So that is the steady positions for the for the sitting and the kneeling. Like I said, you may be you may be sitting there cross-legged and you still can't see over the, the tall grass for obstruction, so you may have to go to the kneeling. All right? Uh, now, each of these times, we're always using our our sling to help steady the rifle. Uh, now we go into the the standing position. And the order that we've gone in, from the prone to the seated or kneeling to the standing, that's this that's the the order going from the most stable to the least stable position. But you're you're uh, it's guaranteed that you're going to have to take a shot uh, in the standing at some point in your life, whether you're target shooting or you're outfield shooting or you're hunting, uh you're going to have to make a shot from the standing position. And most people have done this. You know, most people have shot that's how they first shot a rifle from the standing position. Now, what you want to do in the standing position is, and uh, I missed uh, I missed telling you in the, the seated position that you do the same thing to index yourself. First thing you have to do is index. You're looking at the target, and you have to, you'll have to turn your body uh, somewhere in the, the 25 to 30 degree range away toward your strong side to index yourself to the target whenever you sit down. That's what you'll have to do. And you'll have to tweak it. You'll have to tweak it once you're down and uh, and get it, get the understanding of how much you need to move to your strong side away from the target each time you get down into the seated. You'll have to tweak it, and then you'll have to uh, muscle memory it. Uh, when I get down into the seated position or any time, uh, any position that I get into, uh, I've done it enough now so that I know by the feel of it, if it's right or not. I don't have to to try and figure it out or adjust it or anything else because I know from getting into these positions, I have developed a muscle memory to be able to get into the position uh, quickly and correctly uh, without a lot of work, without a lot of thinking about it. Now, it will have to be altered depending on, on where you are. If the ground isn't uh, nice and flat or like I was saying before, if you've got holes or or if you sit down on the edge of a hole or into a hole or uh, or you got a big rock around you or something, then you'll have to alter your position. But you need to practice positions enough that you develop the muscle memory so that whenever you get into the position, you're not having to try and figure it out. 
uh, you're going to leave it to your muscle memory to get you into the correct position. <clears throat> uh, there was something else I wanted to say about that, but uh, I, I forgot what it is. <clears throat> All right. Uh, the, the standing position. Whenever you're getting into the standing position, uh, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to index. Normally, you'll need to turn to face approximately 90 degrees or so to your strong side from the target. Now, as I said, every every person body is different, and you have to, there, there's no way of getting around uh, obeying body geometry. All right, you have to. You will have to use it. You will have to uh, uh, to adapt whatever your body geometry is into getting into the position. Which uh, generally you're going to start off facing about 90 degrees to your strong side. Now, what you're going to do next is you're going to you're going to be looking at the target with your head and neck erect, as if you were posing for a uh, for a sculptor to turn you into the, the image of a Greek god. So if you understand what I'm talking about, you're standing there uh, in your standing position with your spine and your body, your neck fully erect and uh, as straight as it can be, and then your face looking at the target. Now, you're going to bring your rifle up to your face. You're not going to go looking for that rifle with your head and your neck. You're not going to be, you're not going to have that uh, the stock of the rifle in the same place in your shoulder pocket, so that you have to scrunch down with your face or your neck to get it. You're going to bring the rifle up to your face. That's how you're going to start out in this position. Now, that means that the stock is is going to be in a higher position than in the seated, kneeling, or prone. The stock is going to be a higher position. Uh, as a matter of fact, in most cases, generally, you should be able to be standing behind the person and see a good deal of the stock sticking up above their shoulder. That way, their their neck and face uh, remain uh, in a in a position to get on the stock without hunching down and using their muscles to find the stock. You'll see a a big difference if you have two people side by side and one person brings the rifle up to their face and the other person puts the rifle in their shoulder in the same place they would in prone or sitting and then they bring their face and neck down to get it. The, The only way you can do this is by firing up a bunch of muscles in your neck and your shoulders and your back. That's the only way you can get the neck down into that position. That means that you've you've incorporated a huge amount of the muscle tissue in your in your neck, in your shoulders, in your back, uh, in order to keep your face in that position. You don't want to do that. You want to you want to eliminate as many muscle uses as possible. Now you're not going to be able to, to eliminate them all. If you did, you would just smack into the ground with uh, with gravity, all right? But you're going to eliminate as many as you can. You're going to do that by bringing the rifle up to your face, keep 
keeping your body as straight as you can, your upper body. And uh, like I said, the instructor look behind you should be able to see a good portion of your stock up above your shoulder. That's fine. That's fine to have the stock up above your shoulder. All right? It should be in the pocket, in that little pocket that uh, is formed whenever you bring your uh, your strong arm up and do the chicken wing there. It should form a pocket. You put the bottom of the stock in that little pocket, and the remainder of the stock can uh, can can be above your shoulder. That's fine. All right. Your feet. When you look down at your feet, they should be uh, they should not be both pointing in the same direction. All right. Uh, your support leg on your uh, on the non-trigger side uh, should be forward uh, a bit forward of your body, and then either pointing at the target or index slightly toward your strong side. Uh, your support leg, if you're right-handed, that would be your right leg, uh, it should be uh, somewhere between pointing uh, directly at 95 degrees and pointing at uh, 45. It should be somewhere in that position, and they should not both be facing the same direction. But, you know, if you do that, then you weakened your stance. It's just, your your feet need to be uh, a little bit canted away from each other so that you can provide support for yourself in uh, in the standing position. All right. Now, when you look at this position, uh, you're still going to look at the steady hold factors for the position the same way that you do with the others. You're going to look at the the hand first. Make sure that it's open with the uh, with the sling coming across. The back of the hand, a nice snug sling, and uh, the support arm should be uh, as far under the rifle and pointed down as, as you can. Uh, the spine should be straight. That means if you're looking at the person, the spine from the waist going up to the neck should be as straight as possible. If you see it punched toward the top, making a big curve, that's wrong. The only way you can do that is by using a lot of muscles to help bend itself over. All right? You don't want that. You want the spine sitting as straight as possible. That, that lets one vertebrae sit on top of the other in a direct line down without using any muscles. All right. You come around and look at the... Uh, the strong side elbow, it should be chicken wing. Now, we talked about that earlier, the same thing. It should be chicken wing. So it is pulled up, uh, you know, as high as possible, and that way you're coming as close as possible to the to the same place every time. The hand should be gripping the stock uh, is the same as the other positions, and a strong handshake grip pulling the stock back into the shoulder, into the shoulder pocket. The head should be turkey necked so that you've got you've lengthened your vertebrae and they've gone down to put your cheek weld on the rifle in the same place every time. All right. Now like I said, remember that uh, when you're doing it or when you're watching it, make sure that the rifle 
is being brought up to the face and the person is not bending their head and neck to go looking for the rifle. Their spine should be straight. Some of the studs, okay, if the stock is sticking up above their shoulder, that's fine. Uh, but we want the spine to be as straight as possible. And uh, those are the the four positions. Uh, there are the, the, the three shooting positions. And those are the steady hold factors for them. Remember that without having a steady position, there is no way that you consistently can consistently make the shot. Pay a lot of attention to learning how to build your stable shooting positions. Pay a lot of attention to it. What I had to do with my positions, and, uh, you know, we talk about dry firing uh, in order to hone your skills at home. You do the same thing with your positions, and it doesn't take a lot of time. All you have to do to build your position to make sure that they they become easier to get into and you teach yourself the muscle memory of how to get into them is by getting into the position. For, for You take five minutes at night when you get home. Maybe you're getting undressed or you just get your pajamas on or something like that. You go, okay, here we go, down into the prone. Uh, if you have a rifle, you can use fine or a stock or something like that. If you don't, no problem. Just get down into the position, check yourself, make sure that you're uh, following all the steady hole factors. All right, you do it? All right, fine, get up. Get up now. Get down into the seated position, whichever one you can get into. Get down into to the seated position, count to five, make sure you've got all the steady hole factors correct, and get out of it. Now try the standing position. Get into the standing position. Bring the rifle, bring the stock up to your face. And not looking for it, making sure that your spine is uh, is straight, and then get out of it. All right. Those are the. That's the way that you're going to hone your uh, uh, your steady hold factors in your position is by practicing them. I just see Ed's uh, Ed saying that he got his elbows on the ground in the seated position. Well, that's good. The only problem is that usually alters the cheek weld uh, very strongly. So if you can do it, great. Anyway, practice your seated position. Practice your standing. Practice your prone, all right? Make sure that you're following all of the steady hold factors and that you're doing, uh, uh, you're doing everything you can to ensure that you have a stable shooting position, all right? Uh, join us next week. We're going to go on to the second part of the series, which is finding the shot, executing the shot by the six steps. All right? We're going to talk about that in part two. I want to thank everybody who tuned in tonight, and uh, and take care of yourselves, all right? Take care of your families. Take care of your responsibility to safeguard the freedoms and liberties that we enjoy by virtue of living in this nation. God bless and keep you all. And uh, and we'll see you next week at uh, 7 p.m. Central. Thank you, guys.
Dragging who we need And call this liberty 